0: Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Hola, hola, and welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Today, my special guest is Anna Deshawn. Anna is an award-winning podcaster and AMBI Award-winning podcast producer and host. She is also a Chicago-born social entrepreneur who builds streaming platforms which center and celebrate BIPOC and QTPOC creatives. Anna has expanded her media reach when she also co-founded The Cube, a podcast production company and curated platform to discover the best music and podcasts by the BIPOC and QTPOC creatives. Most recently, Anna was announced as part of the Chicago LGBT Hall of Fame 2023 induction cohort. Anna is determined to ride media into the next era by utilizing digital media streams, to tell the stories and play the music that deserves to be heard. Welcome, Anna, to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. She was talking about the things that legacy media doesn't want us to see in real life, real time, what's happening in our communities around Black and trans women queer folks, the books that are being banned, all these things that are happening today around the country. Anna is covering these topics. So welcome, Anna. Sorry for that long introduction, but I just want to give people a little bit of flavor about you. And please tell us about yourself. Born and bred in Chicago. Thank you for having me on the show.
1: I appreciate you. The bio, it is what it is. I'm grateful that there's actually things to say about the work. and so. I appreciate you having me on to talk about it all, talk about what we're building and why I think it's important for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, 100 percent. So, you know, one thing I want to talk about, Anna, is how you report the queer news. I go to your social media on the Q3 or under your name. And when you post things that, by the way, her newsletter is fantastic. If you haven't signed up for her newsletter, is that the E3 Newsletter or is it The Cube? It's both. So I,
1: you know, at one point where they were separate and I'm like, why am I separating these folks out? I believe everybody wants to see all the news. So it's a combined newsletter. I'm going to do even a better job going forward. Let me say that, of dividing up the content to be like, this is E3 News, it's a Cube News type of deal. But it's one, it's all in one because the work definitely complements each other and i'm trying not to compartmentalize my life too much
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no i like how your newsletter so for those of you that are content creators and i'm going to get into this with anna you know we're not content creators we're content owners and we're content i want to say distributors so when you were younger or to get into the communication space to bring these issues to the forefront. Was there something very pivotal? And I know there is because we all have them. But for you going to school, I saw, you know, you have a master's in communication. But was it your lifelong goal to just be in communications? Like, what was that moment like? Was it the radio? Because now you do radio. I'm sure it is. But what was it that really brought you to that moment to say, I'm going to bring the news, the real news out? Well, I definitely always knew I wanted to be in media.
1: I wanted to be in television growing up. Robin Roberts was my favorite, my dad's Hall of Fame coach. I grew up a gym rat in Chicago. And so she was the only Black woman reporting sports on ESPN. Like, she was it. And watching her career, watching her do the Olympics, watching her do NFL, I mean, she was doing everything. And I just wanted to be like her. And I quickly understood how influential media could be. And then as I got older, studied it, really how powerful it is. And I wanted to be part of that. And television didn't work out for me when I was 18, 19, because I don't have the look, right? Masculine or center, Black, lesbian. <laughs> and we are not on television, okay? Women are just making it really, truly to television in a diverse, thoughtful way, let alone someone who looks like me. And I got an opportunity to intern at a radio station in undergrad. And I I loved it. People called in and said, I love hearing your voice. I love what you're doing. And I was like, this is it. No one has to be worried about what I look like. They can just be worried about what I'm saying. And I was like, oh, this is impactful. And I could wear sweatpants. This is it. I just really fell in love with radio at that point. And I just never let it go. There was stories I wanted to tell. And I didn't feel like they were being told. Black women that I wanted folks to know existed. The Ella Bakers of the world, the Fannie Lou Hammers of the world. And so that's where E3 came from. It came from a campaign that I ran in undergrad. The E's have changed. The E's today stand for educate, enlighten, and entertain. And at the heart, that's at the heart of the content we create for the radio station and the music that we play. We play queer music all day long, and we report on the Queer News. And that's where the Queer News podcast lives and started. And it brings me a lot of joy to share the news every day. I started the Queer News podcast out of a pivot from a radio show that I started on the station. It was called Wake Up with Anna and Friends. So I, w- I know a lot of people doing a powerful work in Chicago. I was like, oh, it'd be great to have a show around this, do interviews, da-da-da-da-da. It was wonderful, but then it stopped bringing me joy. It felt like a labor versus something that I enjoyed waking up doing every day. Went to a couple of podcasting conferences, and I was like, you know what? I think I could just turn this one segment that I really enjoy that I think is really unique about this show and make it into a podcast. And I had a mentor affirm for me. She's like, well, the part I really love is when you talk about politics, Anna. Like, I really love when you do that. And I said, you know, at the heart of it, that's the part I enjoyed the most. (laughs) And so I just leaned into it. It became the Queer News Podcast. I still can't believe that was even available for me to take from the name itself, you know, out here in the world. And in November... 2023, we celebrated two years of the pod, and so we're still a baby pod and out here in this podverse. And and I'm really enjoying the work and how the work is impacting folks.
0: I love that, you know. Anna, when I saw you, let's talk about the Ambi Awards because you won Ambi Award within the podcasting community, being recognized. And, you know, I just want to talk about that a little bit as a do-it-yourself podcast, because as we're talking about media and the big publications and agencies and the networks, it takes so much money. It takes a team. It takes money. It takes a lot. And I know for a fact, if I had more money funded into the podcast, as you, in fact, all of us, we'd give more gas to what we're, you know, so passionate and, and really ignited about to change a lot of comunidad and a lot of innovation, to be quite honest, that needs to happen today in the world. So let's talk about that. Um, so the DIY it was a, it was the first
1: time this category existed for the Ambies. It was the do it yourself category. The criteria was that you produce your your podcast for less than three thousand dollars an episode.
0: Is it three thousand? I thought it was less, like a th- under a thousand per episode. It is. It is now. Wow. Why? Why is the bar lower? That's crazy. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry, I interrupted.
1: <laughs> so the first year it was three thousand an episode, and that's what I said in my speech. I was like, the bar is three thousand, okay, and really called that to account because. I think my first year at some point, at one point I stopped doing it every day. I started it every day and then I switched to weekly. So that first year, I think I did like 150 episodes that year. So if if I did that for three thousand dollars an episode, it was going like up to 150k. Who is who got that type of money? That's an independent creator. That's just not the experience. So I was happy to see that they lowered it to a thousand. I want to say I think I had something to do with that with that speech. Even $1,000 is a lot, but it's way more acceptable than $3,000 <laughs> an episode. in differentiating the work from what we consider to be independent creators. And even that word independent, it has a huge, huge wide range of definitions and costs, right? There are million-dollar companies that are still considered indie because those that are not considered indie are usually the names that you recognize off bat without having to think about it. And some of these million-dollar companies are are companies that you don't even know the names, but believe me, they are million-dollar companies, right? Maybe even multi-million-dollar companies that can still consider themselves independent. So that DIY speech impacted a lot of people. People still tell me about it. It definitely boosted our podcast. Our listens doubled after that win at the AMBs. It had a huge impact on our work, so... If there are any podcasters out here who are scared or apprehensive about submitting to these awards, don't be, because the social proof around your content is so important when you don't have the financial backing to begin to put you into the rooms and, as a piece of of like affirmation that the work that you're doing is good.
0: When you said that, I was like, $3,000. I was like, yeah, and do the math. When these companies are producing five podcasts under one agency, that's a lot of money. And then I also think about the content they're producing. So when we say indie, you mention it very well. It's like it has to not just be a passion. It has to be like there is a long game in this content podverse. I want to say reality. It does take surrounding yourself with people that support you in the same realm of passion and topics, which is why I have you, because I feel like we're talking about things people feel really uncomfortable about. They don't want to talk about it. And I feel like that's because of our communities have been shamed for so long around certain things that if we bring it up, we're shamed and judged. And I want to talk a little bit about The Cube and then also your affiliations that you have to bring in content from folks that share this passion. So can you talk about The Cube and your social entrepreneur journey to build it? Because it is an app, which is amazing, and it's giving a platform to folks that can feel safe to share their content.
1: Yes, I consider myself a social entrepreneur because... Anything that I do, I want to be also doing some good. So it is important to make money. It is important for, for, in my world, it's important for that money to also do some good in the world and not just collect it for myself and for my family, right? And that's how I look at all my ventures that I undertake. And that's why the risks are worth it for me, because there are such huge risks that come with stepping out on faith and doing your business full time. And the cube was really born out of the radio station, out of E3 radio, in that radio changed. Radio continues to change. Radio continues to evolve. I never think it's going anywhere, ever. I think it continues to manifest itself because audio is just that. And people were changing how they were listening. And they weren't tuning in live. They were listening on demand. And I started the radio station in 09, so by the time we started thinking about this in 2020, so much had changed over those 11 years, and we just knew we had to get into the podcasting space. I also knew we needed to create an app to make it easier for people to listen on the go. I knew we needed to change in order to remain relevant, and the more we started digging into the podcasting space, the more we realized there wasn't a good way to find Black podcasts. There wasn't a good way to find podcasts by queer folks of color. Like, where are the brown podcasts? (laughs) Where are they? What is happening here? And we just, through my research and lived experience, I just realized that podcast discoverability just really sucks. That these apps that are out here weren't built for that. They are built to house it. They weren't built to help you find the next one that you want to listen to, right? And I believe they're trying, right? All of them have their own editorial teams that manage those home pages that you see and those lists that you see, right? It's like old-school journalism rooms when it comes to these editors, you know, showing what... Editing what comes up on your homepage of your app. At the same time, there's still so much that gets missed. And there was nobody, and there still is nobody, centering the experiences of people of color and what people of color want to dig into. And I tell people all the time... Podcasting to me is what television was before BET. It was a white man's world. And it wasn't until somebody said, There is an audience here that deserves to be catered to. And I know advertisers want to reach them too. And we're going to build something that absolutely changed the landscape of what television could look like for folks of color. Right? I feel like we're in that space with podcasting and the cube. Is here to fill that need as a space where you can discover the best Black and brown pods in one spot. It's also a place that we're curating, so I can say it's gonna be the best podcast you're gonna be able to find inside The Cube. And we're also creating our own content. And because of the intersections in which I live, those are the originals that I want to create and cultivate out here in the world at the intersections of race and sexuality. And I'm excited about the possibilities of the thing. And quite literally, it was born out of the radio station. So E3, mathematically, is to cube something. E to the power of three is to cube something. Then it hit me in the shower. And I was like, oh, snaps. We can just change that C to a Q and make it queer. And now we have the cube. So the cube doesn't exist without the radio station. And now the cube is its own beautiful thing that can't even imagine where it's going to go next. I'm just excited about the possibilities of the thing.
0: Oh, my God. That's fantastic. I, it, that is amazing how these ideas will come to you almost in the quietest and like your most relaxed state. And boom, that's when they just pop in there. I get them in the middle of the night sometimes. That I, I don't know if any of you have that experience where in the middle of the night you're like, oh, my God, I have this fantastic idea. Or when you're really quiet, your mind is settled And it just kind of, boom, it just like enters you, right? Because you're open to those ideas. So you bring up a very interesting topic that I'm very passionate about and that I do talk about all the time, about Latinas from the block to the boardroom. And you mentioned the search criteria to find black podcasts. Well, this is not a new thing. It is also becoming a reality that Many women of color, especially black women, have been talking about in academia about search criteria for women of color, people of color within the interwebs. This is due to our labeling of race within the interwebs. And you hit it on the nail about legacy media being a white man's world. Well, technology is also has been started in the same arena and categories were created So, Anna, when you bring up the idea of finding Black podcasts and just people of color in general, when they search on Black or Latina, women in academia have been writing about this for some time, most recently the publications of Safia Novell and Dr. Joy Bulanwini, who have been talking about this, about the racial profiling And also the context of how our Black women and Latina women are categorized in the interwebs. You know, when I was creating my podcast, I'm very intentional about putting Latinas. But in my search for the podcast, there's also Latinas, an ad that comes up that is how to date Latinas and a gateway to other sites that are not, you know, and it's an ad. And this is how the search engines make their money. So what you're doing is brilliant because this is creating the safe space, as I like to say, for folks to find the information that they need to listen to the content that is very important, which may not get found right correctly. They'd have to sift through lines and lines and pages and pages to find the right podcast that they're looking for. Because of all the shit that's out there in the interweb. So thank you, Anna, for creating the cube. But I want to talk about this social entrepreneur journey to create the safe space. You were in an incubator through TechRise. Can you talk about the incubators in cities and for especially for BIPOC and TQPOC community members, how they can get involved in the innovation and these incubators? Where can they find them? How do they get involved? Tech Rise was an amazing
1: experience. It was everything. And Chicago is becoming a hub for this type of innovation when it comes to funding Black and brown founders in particular. Um, and if anybody goes and does all the stats, y'all, they're just awful, OK? Just you don't have to. I could just say it's like less than 2%, OK? Uh, VC funding is going to Black and brown ventures. When you talk about women, the number gets less. And this is still an improvement of what it has been. And TechRise does a beautiful job of funding Black and brown tech founders. They literally do a pitch competition every week where they're giving $25,000 to the person that wins that competition that week. This is being backed by Verizon and donors. And they have different categories. They go neighborhoods. They go race and ethnicity. They go by tech field. They do all types of categories. And I think it's one of the most beautiful spaces for Black and brown tech founders to actually cultivate their businesses and to grow them. We know the biggest challenge is capital. The second biggest challenge, I would say, is access. Because if you got the money and you're still not in the rooms where the decisions are being made, it's like Hamilton, okay? I'm a Hamilton fan. You got to be in the room where it happens. The room where it happens. And so if we're not in the rooms or people are not speaking our names in these rooms, then we don't get the contracts and we don't get the opportunities. Because by the time the world hears about it, it's too late, right? And so Tech Rise, was that. You get a chance to pitch. I pitched and I lost the first time I pitched. What was beautiful was that they can invite you back. And so they did. They invited me back. And then I won the second time. And then that went led me to be a finalist, to be considered to be a finalist for the big stage where they give a hundred thousand dollars to the person that wins. And I didn't get it the first time, but I was still eligible the next year. And then I got to the final stage. So it was like lose, win, lose, win. Like this is the, this is the journey of a founder. If I like it's peak, this is what it looks like. I made it to the finals. I didn't win there, but people still, till this day, they say, oh, you look so familiar. And they say, oh, were you in tech rise? And I said, yeah. And he's like, I loved your pitch. And this has been over a year later. You can't buy that type of PR, honestly, that is so organic and meaningful for people. And pitched my butt off that day. And I'm so proud of that work that I put in for that moment because it has paid dividends beyond the money that we would have won that particular evening and i encourage people to look at places like tech rise if you're in chicago but these places lead you to other places like everything that you do is about network your network is your net worth period like who is in your network and how are you leveraging them and if you're not or if you're looking at your network and you're like wait these are not people who are going to help me grow you need to fix it fix it immediately because it is all about the relationships like right? One relationship has led to another that led me to somebody else that has led to something else. There are lots of opportunities out here. You just have to get tapped in. You got to get into the ecosystem and be unapologetic about getting in. I met this sister who was raising, I can't remember how much she was raising at the time, but maybe $2 for her business. She said she was doing 10 networking events a week. A week. That was her job. Because you need one yes. And you, you begin to learn your percentages. How many people do I have to talk to to get a yes? So if you go out here, you realize you got to talk to 20 people to get one yes. How many interactions is that? Like you got to put yourself out here and be so vulnerable. You know, that's the thing I, I think a lot of folks can't handle for very good reasons. It takes a toll on all your health, okay? Mental, emotional, all of it, right? And so you really do have to know that you and understand how, You handle these situations so that you can best grow in a way that feels comfortable for you, because it's very challenging to put yourself out here, to not know when your next paycheck is coming, but to have this very clear dream and plan on how to execute it. And you need to find people who also believe in it. And that's a level of grit that some folks just don't have. And I don't think it's necessarily meant for everybody to have it. (laughs) I don't think it's any wrong if you don't have it. But there's just something that you need in this entrepreneur space, whether it's your social entrepreneur or not, that defines success. It has absolutely nothing to do with your talent. (laughs) It's great that you're talented, but let me tell you how many talented people I know. I grew up with some of the most talented people on the planet. That does not equate to success. And you being clear on what that definition is, too, I think is very important. My definitions of success could be very different than yours. And I think you should be unapologetic about whatever that means. It could mean a $10 million company. Be unapologetic about that. It could also be making an impact. Well, you need to be able to quantify what that means for you. What does impact actually look like? So that you know what success looks like. So you can finally pat yourself on the back and say, job well done, you know?
0: Yep, 100%. So let's talk about the Queer News podcast, Anna. Because again, this is where it came from, the radio and you just told us about your entrepreneurial journey. Where do you see the Queer News podcast in 2024 with the current election that's coming up? Big topics are going to come up as they already are, especially around our bodies, the misinformation towards our communities, and then also what's happening to the transgender and also Black and brown women in our communities, you know, the fight for information is so real. What do you see with your podcast and The Cube and all of this really making the impact in 2024?
1: I'm currently running a survey of our pod listeners to understand what they want to hear more of and what they're enjoying about the pod. Is it too long? Is it too short? Right? All these things. And one of The questions is, why do you listen to the podcast? And overwhelmingly, people are telling me to be informed. To be informed. And so I think, you know, as I go into this next year, our goal is to make sure people have all the information they need to make educated decisions when it comes to who they want to vote for. For me, it's very simple that we need to vote for people who value our humanity. And I wish, I wish could be... Who cares about the economy? (laughs) I was like, I wish it could be about things other than humanity, but this is where we're at. Our humanity is under attack. And so it is my job as a journalist, as someone who loves this medium of audio, is to share this message with people and to share the news in such a way that they can make better informed decisions or be in conversation with people and be armed with information they feel like they can use to state their case. I think sometimes, even I find it hard to find the words sometimes to express exactly how I feel or why something doesn't feel right. And I go to content creators to hear how they are ingesting this information. And I hope that when people listen to our podcast, that they hear how I'm ingesting the information and maybe that helps them to find some clarity as to why that didn't feel right to them either or... (laughs) Or why they get excited about this other thing, you know? And maybe some other people in their community are not. So, you know, it's another pivotal election. I think every election is pivotal. The presidential elections, yes, but arguably the local elections are even more important, right? And so any election cycle for me is an important one. I think this country has never been as divided as it is now, except for in the 60s, right? I think that's probably the next time we could find this level of division that's being fueled by so much hate and hate inside of politics. I think nobody's really happy with anybody that we have to vote for. I don't think anybody's overjoyed or ecstatic about any of these candidates. And yet, here are our options. And I don't care what side of this you're on. I don't think anybody's overwhelmingly pleased about a particular candidate. What we do have to value as our humanity. And so I think you have to look at the things that you value and then find someone who comes as close as humanly possible to those particular values and then challenge them on the ones that they don't align with you on, right? I think that's what we have to do.
0: A hundred percent. And I really appreciate you saying that because it is about our humanity. What's happening, and I've heard this said before as we were slowly sleepwalking into some really weird times. And I don't know, I like to say sometimes it's technology, but it's just how we're informed. And I, I know for a fact, Anna, you are putting that hands down, the right information, you are becoming a trusted resource with community. And that's why I'm having more of our community members on the podcast to talk about these issues that are dividing us. It's not how we're divided. It's really how we can bring ourselves back together. We're done with talking about how divided we are. It's time to bring us back together. It's going to take work. It has been taking work since the pandemic. The pandemic really put us all on kind of a pivotal shift and to really look inside ourselves to say, hey, we're at a critical moment here. There's a lot of room for change, but how we're changing is where we need to stand together. And I really feel positive about 2024. I'm a little nervous about it, but I want to stay hopeful and positive about it. Yeah, I'm hella scared. <laughs> hella scared.
1: I'm also really encouraged by some of the news that I report on where I see young people rising up, but those young people are not old enough to vote yet, right? I'm afraid around how we ingest information and how quickly it is to share lies, right? That worries me because it's easy to spread a lie and it's harder to spread the truth or to fix it, lie, right? And I think so many people are so stuck on either side, just stuck. in what they think is right, what they think is wrong, that we miss so much in between. And I miss the times when I could have intelligent dialogue with somebody that I did not fundamentally agree with. And I miss that. And I think we all miss that because we all are living on this planet and there's just some fundamental things I think we can agree on. And there's ways that we can make improvements for everybody's lives. But if we can't hear each other because of these divisive tactics,
0: the country won't move forward. That was perfectly said, Anna. And I think that women, I just want to specifically say women and women of color, we are beginning to move a lot of Dialogue together. I see a lot of us coming together. It was proof when I went to DC in September through the Women's Funding Network how a lot of women around the globe are really coming together to talk about these issues. And I want to see more of it. And I love how you're bringing your voice to this platform, Anna, and sharing all of your knowledge of where you've come from in Chicago your journey in communications to leading you to build an app that creates a safe space for all of our voices to be heard and to share content that will hopefully give us a lot of education, enlightenment, and entertainment, three E's. I love that so much. And I really appreciate you being here on the podcast. So is there anything else you'd like to leave us with, Anna, as we're wrapping it up here about this? I really love that prediction. I I want to hold you in, in like confidence that we can do this together. But what would you like to leave us here with um, as we close? Well, I would love for everybody listening to go check out the Cube,
1: T-H-E-Q-U-B-E app across social, our website. Our mobile app is coming soon with future investment. And today you can still begin discovering some new podcasts by some of the best Black and brown creators on the planet. We've got 60 available for you to discover in the network. And we have more Cube original content coming your way. Queer News is a part of that. We have a number of other podcasts that are a part of that. And I'm excited about what we can do with this platform and elevating our voices and our stories and what we can learn from each other. And I'm doing it because there's literally no place like the Cube. E3, Radio, and The Cube, those are my two babies. And I'm looking forward to, like, birthing more of my ideas. I think as creatives, we always have more ideas. And for right now, this is I'm in this season. I'm in the season of The Cube, and I'm just excited to be on the journey and seeing where it takes me.
0: That's amazing. I love it. And I'm going to see a podcast movement, I think, next year, too. So, again, I just the takeaways with Anna is networking is key. Don't be afraid to stand in your power to bring your innovation and ideas forward. Get out there. Share the content. And also, we need to be aligned in this coming year to people that stand for humanity. And I really love that about Anna. So thank you, Anna, for joining me today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. And where can we find you on social media and other platforms so we can reach out to you? 100%.
1: Follow me at Anna Deshawn across all of them. And if you're into TikTok, follow me there because I have a lot of fun on TikTok.
0: Thank you, Anna, for joining me today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. If you'd like to learn more about Anna, you can find her at AnnaDeshawn.com. Or like she said, you can find her on TikTok at Anna, that's A-N-N-A, Deshawn. And if you'd like to find out more about E3 Radio, you can go to e3radio.fm and The Cube at thecube.app as an app. Thank you, Anna. We really appreciated having you today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. If you'd like to learn more about Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, please reach out to us at info. At latinasb2b.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll find out more about events, workshops, and webinars that we'll be hosting throughout the year with our podcast guests and allies that wish to share their information and platforms that they are building today or policies that they are creating to help transform the nation for a better democracy. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with Latinas from the block to the boardroom in a sponsorship opportunity or networking event, please reach out to us at info at latinasb2b.com. Gracias.